everyone. Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Before I get started with my guest tonight, I'd like to tell you which books have released that are my favorite this week. Alan Eskins um, released The Shadows We Hide. He'll be my guest on Wednesday. My guest tonight is Tom Pitts. His new book, 101, a novel, just released today. I highly recommend it. Catherine Jane released Diamonds to Die For, an intrepid women book. Um, Diane Stuckert, who'll be here on Wednesday also, released Full Moon. Jamie Mason released James Bond Roulette. Uh, PJ Fiala released the second of her Bounty Hunters series called Lincoln. And Elliot Parker, a host in this network with Now Appalachia, released A Knife's Edge. Um, my guest, Tom Pitts, is also not only a friend, but he's a colleague. He's the host of Skid Row Chatter. He is an acquisitions editor for Gutter Books. Um, he has written quite a few novels now of noir crime fiction. Uh, his last book, American Static, was sold to rave, rave reviews. The new book, 101, I think is going to be just as big. Welcome back to Authors on the Air, Tom Pitts. How are you? Uh, I'm Dandy. Thank you for asking. Thanks for having me. Um, congratulations on the release of this new book. Um, I remember when you were writing it and American Static kind of at the same time, and you finished Static first. Um, are you pleased with, first of all, the reception you're getting with American Static? Uh, was I pleased with the, re- the reception for American Static was great, and uh, the, uh, the uh, reception for 101 so far is, uh, is, 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 is as well as I can expect. It's, it's, it's good feedback so far. I'm, I'm excited to hear more of it. Uh, I feel right. like it's t- taken that, the, the, the same concept of what I was uh, trying to, to do and taking it a little bit further. So hopefully that, that rings true with the, with the readers as well. Um, the thing that interests me about 101 is because you kind of took it back a couple of years to right before, um, California legalized pot, uh, and which a lot of countries are doing, and of course your home country of Canada has done nationwide. So it's kind of the implications of of pot still being a, a no no in California. Will you tell us a little bit more about where this idea came from for you? Because you really come up with some unusual characters. None of them are superstars. Um, they're just kind of the average Joe always getting in trouble, not intentionally doing <laughs> <Yeah>. it so. <laughs> because I know a lot of because I know a lot of average Joes that are uh, constantly getting in trouble. Um, there you go. You know, it, 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 well, for, it, as in regards to the uh, the, set, the setting time wise, I was actually writing it during uh, when when it was well, it was it, it looked like it was it was going to happen, which it, you know people had thought for years, but eventually it was like it's really going to happen this time. And I kind of had to sort of draw a line in the sand and say, hey, uh, I'm going to have to put it at a specific time because otherwise it's going to be this strange sort of, you know, why is this uh, why is this an outlaw subject when it's no longer uh, an outlaw, it's no longer contraband. So I wrote it on the eve of uh, um, – and, and that, that was happening while I was writing it, so I got to incorporate it into the story. It wasn't just sort of a tack on, but it's uh, – uh, it kind of had to – it sort of – Tighten the, uh, the the tension as far as everybody trying to 
get their chips off the table before it became legal. You know, people were scrambling, and it happened in real life too. People were scrambling to get uh, to decide which side of the fence they were going to be on. Quite frankly, you know, and uh, you, some people getting you mean out of just the pocket, the everyday, the everyday Joe, the every man was mm. scrambling. In what no, way the, to the, dump, the, the, dump the, the, the growers? Stuff? The, oh, no, oh, the, 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 the growers, the people, people in the business, which in. Northern California, especially up in Humboldt County, what they call the, the Emerald Triangle, which is uh, Mendocino County, Humboldt County, and uh, Trinity County, where it's 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 the biggest uh, business uh, and has been for years. It's it's the biggest export certainly, <laughs> but it's it's the biggest and some will say the only business that's going on up there. You know, wow. So, uh, it it, re- it really shook things uh, up up in the northern part of the state because that's where. Uh, that's where the money was coming from, and 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 I I will say with confidence that uh, if you counted the votes just in that part of the state, uh, it would have voted. They would have voted to not have it go legal. Well, it sure, was, because you know, now now it's regulated and taxed, isn't it? <laughs> well, and it's uh, and it's what's happening is the same thing everybody thought was going to happen, which is big business, which didn't come in the form of big tobacco and these big mega corporations it came in the form of tech money uh, venture capitalists you know people that i I don't think they had envisioned that would be you know sharpening their teeth for the for the drug trade and they're in there now and that's uh uh, you know and it takes it's it's big money has kind of blown out the the mom and pops if you will interesting florida um approved it the last time we went to the ballots which was what two years ago or something and um They've decided to have like a lottery the way they do for liquor licenses, except they've only um, approved like three growers or something. And, you know, everybody's up in arms. They're saying, hey, it's not for recreational use. This is for medical marijuana. But um, and there are stores that are open. Uh, There's there there's an office nearby me where uh, it's, you know, Dr. Feelgood or something. I don't know whatever he is, you know, but but still to to have shops that are open where you can go and buy weed. It's not there, but I I suspect you're right that it will probably be um, become corporate corporations that are doing this, which brings me to another question. Corporations are, 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 yeah, go ahead. Go go ahead. No, no, finish what you're saying. (laughs) No, I was just going to blather on about the goings on in California because it just, it just that for so, I remember being a teenager and, and hearing, you know, Rothmans has already bought tobacco fields that they're going to grow marijuana and waiting, waiting for it to go legal. You know, this has been going on for years. And everybody thought it, this certain sort of uh, trajectory was, was uh, bound to happen. And when it actually happened, when it went from – because it's been medical here since uh, 2004, uh, when it actually switched to recreational – Shit got weird. I mean, you know, the the, the 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 lawmakers are just having orgasms daily, writing new laws and new regulations, and just piling them on. The taxes, uh, specifically on marijuana, are going through the roof. Uh, it's just this. It's it's this. It's a new kind of wild west. <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, I guess nutty. so. Well, it's my understanding, and I could be wrong. And you know, it's funny that we're talking about pot rather than your book, but it kind of is on the subject. Um, it is my understanding that a lot of um, people in the industry can't put money in the bank because it's federally prohibited. You can't sell pot. And so they don't know – they have no place to stash their cash. Is that a problem in California well, the Rican, too? 
Yeah, they're they're actually they're they're coming up with solutions for that. There's there's like a, a, a new sort of banks and there's a new sort of banking system that they're going to allow them to, to 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 get their their cash in the bank and and they're, they're you know just every every problem has a solution if, if someone's paid enough to to come up with it. So they're they're finding ways around that finally. But yeah, it's it's a uh, it's 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 an odd <laughs> it's an odd situation, and that's one of the ways. You know that they're 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 giving the squeeze to the little people. Like for instance, now in the old days, and I mean the old days as in like two years ago, if you were a grower and you knew somebody had a dispensary, a medical dispensary, you could go in with your five pounds of weed, and they'd look at it and they go, "I don't want this. I got. I'll take this, not this much." And they'll take you know three and a half pounds, and you're doing a, a just like a farmer taking his eggs to market. But wow. now the only people that can do that are licensed brokers, and the become a lo- uh, a broker you have to pay this huge fee to the government to have the license and i mean enormous like we're talking in six figures and uh and you have to show that that money's clean which is uh, a way they've just they, they they just instantly cut out most of the people that were actually in the business and now there's people from silicon valley up there doing that that same that same simple drug courier gig is now like a very official and well-paid job you know it's just that's just one snippet of how things are evolving it's crazy um let's yeah. talk about the book tell give a little synopsis about this for those who haven't heard me talking about you like forever in this book well and and just to be clear it's it's the backdrop of the marijuana business it's just you know when, when you're getting there and the uh the wheels start turning it's it's not uh it's not like a big book about marijuana or, or stoners per se. Right. It's about a kid who who runs into some trouble down in San Francisco, and he's uh and it you know he's got sort of a he's got the the the, the troublesome girlfriend who eggs him on and pushes him <laughs> further off the uh, into the deep end, and he and he runs up to uh, at his um, mother's behest he runs up to a uh, a, a guy uh, sort of uh, a mentor uh, a mysterious guy who's been up there growing weed in, in, in Humboldt for forever, and uh, he doesn't realize it, but, uh, you know, the guy he's hiding out with has actually been on the run even longer, and he's uh, even even further into the, in the wind, as they say. And, of course, the kid uh, being on the run from trouble brings trouble with him, and from an assortment of everybody, from the FBI, the SFPD, some biker gangs, uh, a crazy uh, Russian weed tycoon named Vlad the Inhaler, and a bunch of other folks <laughs> just are, are all sort of converging uh, on the on the wake that this kid has left, and uh, when when they all get up there into the jungle, you know they they split back towards the Bay Area, and uh, and that's that's essentially the synopsis of the book. You know, there's a a backstory of the uh, the guy hiding out is 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 been through something a, a famous San Francisco crime, which is fictional, called the Fulton Street Massacre, which is the reason he's so. Uh, Barn Hills. There's a whole backstory about that that evolves and sort of, you know, uh, carries it. But it's it's a uh, it's good. It's a fast mover. You know, it's a page turner, as they say. And uh, I hope uh, I hope people enjoy it. Um, uh, Eric Pruitt, who's one of my favorite people of all times and a damn fine writer in his own, he's a very talented guy. Had this to say: Throw everything out. Throw everything you know about crime fiction. Tom Pitts, author of Hustle and American Static, returns with a pot stickier than an ounce of Humboldt County's finest. 101 is typical Tom Pitts, the kind of novel that proves he'll forever and ever have followers trailing behind him begging for one more hit. How appropriate is that for this book? What a great blurb from Eric Pruitt. 
Um, he's, a, yeah. you know, yeah. he gets it completely, doesn't he? Yeah. It, it, well, yeah, that's the, uh, it is, yeah, it's just that. It's crime. <laughs> it's an entertaining uh, uh, romp, as it were. <laughs> he does get you it. Have a tenen- you have a tendency not to write long, long books. Your average book is well under 300 pages for a reason. No. Um, no, 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 no. That, 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 this is over 300 pages. Hustle is over 300 pages. And uh, oh, American Static is over 300 pages. It, well, you I know, will they, tell you that in, they just seem shorter because they move details. fast. <laughs> okay, well, so here's what it says in your book details. It said print length, 236 pages. What? Yep. I mean, I mean you know what? I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm grabbing a, a hard copy now. <laughs> okay, you do that. <laughs> I'm just telling you what it says We're... on Amazon. You better talk to Eric or Lance or whoever does your uh, page, because that's what it says. Well. Here I have, oh, my goodness, it's 256. Well, maybe, uh, maybe I'm thinking of the word doc. Well, it's, it's, it's still a nice task in your hand. It is. But it's, it is. To... Well, one thing I notice about your writing style, Tom, is that you write very sparingly about extraneous stuff, which means you're really concentrating on on the action and, and the dialogue of your characters. You don't put a lot of fluff in your books, which – I kind of like in, I don't know, do you see that as a trend in reading nowadays? You know, it's funny. I was thinking about it the other day because I was thinking about that Stephen King rule where he always says uh, you have to take 10% away. You know, if you've got a 6,000-word story, you've got to take out at right. least 600 words. That's, that's the right. formula for having edit. And uh, as much as I like to um, uh, entertain his advice, but I personally – I find myself when I'm writing and I'm just starting to try to kick off a, a new novel and I get excited about, you know, ideas or scenes or something's happening. And I start flying with these uh, uh, pages of dialogue that just, you know, they, I, I don't even end up putting uh, quotation marks in because it's coming fast and I'm trying to get it down and I'm trying to get the rhythm of the speech. And I end up having to go back and not, not fatten it up because I'm not, you know, it's not gratuitous stuff I'm putting in. But I need to go back and just really sort of take a breath, see the scene, and sort of add add the dimension uh, uh, afterwards. So I find myself, when I edit, increasing the word count and increasing uh, uh, the amount of stuff there is rather than taking away. Because it does. It starts off sparingly, and it's very whittled down. And there's, it's not like a uh, intentional sort of idea I have. I just uh, – that's kind of the way I see it. And I think also – one of the reasons that if there's, I just focus on uh, the action, as it were, and the uh, and the dialogue, because there's not a lot of internal stuff going on. My my point of view tends to be true third person, you know, where you're completely outside of the character, and what they're doing has to tell you what's going on inside their head. Uh, I think that has a tendency to cut down on the uh, the prose in between the the dialogue. But I kind of like that. How are you about first person? POV. You know, I like. Uh, I, I've, I've written a lot of short stories in first-person POV, but they tend to be true stories from my own experience. You know, which mm-hmm. makes sense, of course. But uh, uh, I, I just, I, 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 I'll read books that are in first person. I'll enjoy, you know, stuff as much as the next guy. But I do find a lot of them have a tendency to get bogged down in that inner dialogue that. Uh, Especially mysteries. Mysteries have a, a tendency to repeat and sort of 
catch you up constantly uh, uh, and, and remind you of where you are in the plot. Through, and you can, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with doing that, with making sure the story and plot is clear with the reader. But when the, when the main character is doing it sort of internally, I go to sleep. You know, I, I, I end up sort of you know, wanting to skip past that page-long paragraph sure. and get to the next piece of dialogue or next piece of action. I don't so, think I've ever asked you this in, in all the times that I've spoken to you, but um, when you sit down to write, do you have an idea for a story or a character first? Um, I think with the not with, with you know sometimes it's funny it's, it's it's sometimes with a short story it's just the first line you know and that's the okay. way songs came to me when I was young too if I came up with a good line or if I came up with a good that's ah, a good title now you have to have a song you know it it can be as simple as that but uh, I think with short stories it's an idea for a, a story a vignette like a little piece of oh, that'd be cool if that happened or it'd be crazy if that happened. But with the books, I tend to uh, come up with the a vague idea of where to place characters and then just go from there. And I do it scene by scene. I have to like really sort of like get one scene out and then mull over uh, what happens next. What is going – you know, where does it go from there? And I do that scene by scene by scene until the sucker's done. You know, I don't really know where it's, uh, it's going to take me. That's why I can't really – I can't think too far ahead in books. Otherwise, uh, I, I lose track of what's going to happen that you know that next day. When you're writing, are you actually visualizing both the dialogue and the action? Yeah, you have to. I mean, in, in my mind, what writing is, and I hate to sort of always fall back on uh, comparisons to celluloid, but it's uh, you know I've got a movie in my head that I'm trying to show you. So I need right. to get down as much as I can. And it doesn't have to be everything because the color of the curtains might not matter or, you know, the, the, a lot of details sure. might not matter. But for you to sort of see what I'm seeing, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely I, I do that. I do it that way. Do you have a lot of ideas floating around in your head for stories that you want to explore? No, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> true. Really? I mean, I've what got a, I've, I've had a couple good. Well, uh, sometimes, you know, I don't know. Uh, uh, sometimes it's 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 a memory with my my own personal stuff where you know I really should capture that uh, uh, experience before it uh, fades from my memory. Uh, so sometimes it's uh, uh, something I'll see, especially with stories like uh, stuff out here on the street. You know that. Uh, Mm-hmm. The goings on with the ne'er do wells out in the street, and which I feel are uh, underrepresented, underreported, and uh, uh, underutilized in, in fiction because that's really crime fiction. That's where the crime's happening, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, but I, 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 I don't. And I, if if I get a good one, I, I write it down and or I email it to myself, and I try to make use of it. You know, I I, uh, I don't have a big notebook full of ideas. You know, um, I figure if an idea pops up and it fades right away, maybe it wasn't that good. So I've got a couple I'm hanging on to, you know, a couple of good ideas for larger books. But like I say, got to be so vague to myself about it. You know, it's funny. I remember this Hemingway quote. I can't remember exactly what it is. But essentially, you know, he he was like, think about your story, but don't think about it too much uh, because tomorrow you have to sit down and write it. And it's true. You know, if I think a little too far down the road – uh, that next scene that I write will completely alter what, what what I had intended to be my plot, 
And I, I you know, I've never been one to, to, to write a synopsis or, uh, or plot out stuff. And that's why, because stuff just constantly, you know, changes. It's very stream of consciousness for you. Yeah. Very stream of consciousness writing for you, right? I guess, you know, I think part of it is laziness. Um, (laughs) I don't believe that. I don't want to do the work to to reconstruct things. I'll tell you an example. Sure. Um, I had uh, uh, the the story I'm writing right now. uh, There's a uh, a, book that I hope will, will evolve into a book. There was a lady that uh, um, lived on the first floor. She's found dead, and I and as I'm, I'm going on, you know, without doing too much detail. A little later on, you know, it it, it turns out that she fell, uh, and that and that was the excuse. And the, and the and the policeman knew it was an excuse. They was investigating it or discussing it that it, that it wasn't really what what had happened to her that she had been murdered. But uh, uh, instead of changing, going back and and putting her on the second floor. Which would have made sense in this, you know, this the uh, subject of, of 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 the story, but instead I kept her on the first floor, and thus, you know, uh, her falling downstairs has to be. There, I have to invent something else in the story to 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 rationalize that, to make that happen. You know, instead of going back and re-editing it, it just tweaks the way things are going. You know, does that mean she was taken out? Does that mean that was just the you know did the sun beat her? Did the, you know? I mean, if there's but I just attend to when I have a, a bump like that, I make the story evolve instead of going back and re-editing it to make it fit. You know I what see. I mean? Does that make sense? I do. I, I do. It makes sense to me. Um, so speaking of, have you ever started writing and um, got, say, halfway through and said, oh, my, this is crap. I just don't finish it. It's really bad. Either I'm going to cut out half of it, or I'm going to start all over, or just forget it. Has that ever happened to you? you yeah, you know, I thought. Steam? Yeah. I thought I was a. Uh, uh, I, I I would always utilize everything I wrote and not uh, uh, toss any. I was, you know, I was like, well, I've never, you know, stopped at 10k. And uh, a couple of years ago, I stopped 20,000 words into a into a book because um, it didn't feel right. It didn't wasn't setting. Uh, wasn't setting me, you know, on fire like it, it like it should. Mm-hmm. And it was about um, it. Ha- it had a lot of stuff to do with Silicon Valley, and, and a lot to do with you know uh, uh, the, the tech stuff going on that, down there. And I realize now that I actually I drive Uber during the day and I'm buzzing around Silicon Valley all day. I didn't have the language. I didn't have the language of you know that weird sort of yeah tech geeky that they stuff, speak. right? <laughs> and I, yeah, and I still don't. And, and uh, uh, and I didn't have the feel for it quite uh, at at the time, and that's and and I think that's what was stopping me. I could go back and revisit the idea, but it broke my heart at the time. Like 20k in, I'm just like, you know what? I got to stop. But that's when I started writing 101. That was the book I I, I decided no, it's it's, it's not a good fit. And when I started 101, it just flew. So interesting. Um, I'm a real fan of your writing as as you well know as a matter of fact i think one year you won um a book award through the network um maybe more than one on (laughs) (laughs) so knuckleball is still my favorite of all the books that you've written um well i like 101 too but i love knuckleball i just thought it was just so freaking authentic to me i loved it more than anything um, however, you just re-released, uh, not too long ago, Hustle. And I think yep. Hustle is probably 
your most popular book. And, um, and while I love the book, Knuckleball will always be my favorite. But something really cool is happening with that book. Can you tell us a, just a little bit about it without, um, you know, giving away too much? Well, yeah, it's uh, – uh, people do respond to that book. And, uh, and I think that uh, a lot of reasons for that is the uh, simplicity of the story. I mean, uh, when, I, when I stand back and look at it in comparison to some other plots or stuff I'm wrestling with, it's a very sort of straightforward uh, uh, trajectory. The, the uh, what happens to these two kids who try to blackmail their their client, and, when, and even when I try to tell somebody about it, I say it's about two kids, two junkie uh, uh, gay hustlers who try to blackmail their client, but he's being blackmailed by someone more sinister, and that and that's all it takes. And people kind of get you know, oh, no, that sounds interesting, but uh, simplicity is what lends to making it film worthy, I think. And uh, I optioned the. Uh, uh, the film rights for Hustle well, Option, mind you, didn't sell uh, about a year ago, coming up in December. And uh, for about even before I auctioned, I've been working with this guy who's a director, uh, putting together a script in the most insane uh, ass backwards way. And uh, mm-hmm. now it's, it's coming very close to the time when uh, we're going to find out whether it's going to fly or not. But uh, that's you know, and, and even though it's, it's been it's been two years, we've been working on this damn script. You kind of you know, I like to envision little Keebler elves each night, you know, with big quills in their hand, trying to <laughs> run, crossing out words. But the reality <laughs> is, this, this 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 the last version I had of the script. I, I think I let go in February. Then I went through some polished guy, you know, some uh, 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 um, uh, a Hollywood writer, someone who knew what the hell they were doing, and he made uh, some changes to it. Then we decided we didn't like the changes, and then it went back to virtually almost the same script I sent out last February, and I just got it back two days ago. So I'm, as soon as we hang up, uh, I'm going to be back at the uh, at my computer with my my own quill in my hand, <laughs> finding uh, errant commas and, and and extra words or missing words and that kind of thing. And yeah, it's 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 very close to the big pitch. You know, I I, I can't really say where I where I think it's going to go, although it's 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 always been on the same track or where it's going to go but uh it's 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 looking good and i'm i'm excited about it hopefully uh hopefully it'll see the light of day i mean it's so scary when it comes to movie stuff that you feel like you're going to jinx yourself if you say it out loud but it's 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 been in play so long i guess i can say more about it well you don't have to um what i would like to know though and, and it's it's interesting to me because the book is yours you're adapting it for film how different is it to write the film script versus writing the book i will say this i don't know <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't do it this way again i'm going to tell you how this happened because it's you know the the, the director who's a friend of mine the guy who wants to direct it or is going to but uh uh but he, he has always had his hands on it. He, he's like you know i uh he, he was originally interested in piggyback years and years ago lost track i didn't hear from him for several years hustle came out i get a call out of the blue he said you know i want to do this to tell you what, I'm going to have my assistant just uh, transcribe the book and put put it on uh, in Final Draft, which is the software uh, that converts everything to a script. So I had the entire novel for real, like 260-page script with these huge, giant, you know, uh, exposition pieces between these little bits of dialogue. So it, the first, you know, eight months of it was just me hacking and flashing and hacking and just cutting down, literally cutting down all the all the exposition, turning into first-person present like it's supposed to be in the script and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's – because it came from that ridiculous sort of 
you can't make a script that way. That's what my my agent's uh, Hollywood uh, office uh, said at the, at the time. You can't do that. And I was like, well, I, I, yes, I can, and I will, and that's that's the way we're doing it. So, you know, that's what we push forward with. But thus, the entire the, the essence of the book is really there. It's it's not like it was taken out of my hands and there 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 was somebody else. You know, like. You know, we we gotta we gotta change uh, he to a she, and we gotta make it a little more like Craig Woman, unless like you know, it, none of that happened. So, you know, I had to collapse. Uh, you know, it happens over several days. Now it happens over a couple days. You know, we had to squeeze some stuff out, cut out uh, uh, you know some of the characters here and there, but for the most part, all that all the the essence of the of the book is still there. It still feels. I've been working so much on the script. In fact, I, I'm not even sure if I remember the book. To me. They're one and the same, you know. When I when I think of hustle now, the the script that I've been working with and wrestling with is 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 the story, and it's all there. So in it's that sense, it's just boiled down. It's just boiled down yeah. to to it's just its barest essence, as though you outlined it rather than wrote the whole book for it. So that sounds well, when interesting. When there was when there was talk of American Static getting optioned, uh, and you know which was was happening, they. Uh, um, he said, you know, do you want to write the script? And I was like, you know what? I don't think so. I don't think I do it. I had to surrender. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's talk about other things in your life. Are you still doing acquisitions at Gutter Books? Um, I know that <clears throat> it's kind of quiet with that because you've got so many other things going on in your life. Um, how's that happening? Well, no, I'm... I- I'm not. It's it's it's. Jill and I were at the helm for a good five years or so, and uh, uh, a flash fiction offensive, the the online magazine part. We we gave that up to Rob Pierce right. and, uh, and Hector. And Hector, and, uh, right? They, yep. They, they they took over there, but uh, technically we still are. But we don't. Gutter hasn't put out any books. You know, the last one that I was involved with was the Replacements anthology. Joe's right. done a couple anthologies with them. And I think he's going to do one more. But, uh, you know, if there was a – or, you know, and Les Edgerton, you know, he's, he came to me and was like, hey, you know, is there – I'd like to put this book back out, uh, which we did, although he probably regrets it. I think he ended up asking for his rights back uh, ultimately because he <laughs> needed it for something else. But, uh, you know, we were we were part of that great wave in the uh, early part of the decade where there was a lot of uh, – that were, weren't very involved in the in the work. You know, they were taking on mm-hmm. stuff and putting it out there and not doing a lot of proper editing, not doing a lot of backup, not doing a lot of promotion. And uh, and I think we were kind of part of that, you know. And for me to actually do a better job, I don't think I'm that – editing is not my my thing. You know, not I can copy edit to a certain degree, but, I you know, I can't see the great story arcs. And I don't have the patience, I think, to to wade through that kind of stuff and do the, the, the give the proper uh, attention needs. Or you know, oh. It's interesting that you said that because you published George Fong's first book, and that was one that was of Joe, my though. favorite books. Pardon me. That was Joe. Okay. That was all Joe. Yeah, that was oh, Joe. I love, that was his. I love that book. Yeah. Oh my God, it still stays in my brain. Uh, you know, I love that book so much. It was so authentic to me. I really appreciated that book a lot. Um, now. You've cut down on your hosting duties um, on Skid Row Chatter. Uh, it's true. You've kind of, you have kind of become, though, the punk rock, alternative rock, 
kind of go-to guy in the network for whenever there's a, a story come out. You did The Clash. You did – who else did you do? The Replacements? You did – you've done a couple yeah, of them. Yeah, I think Bob Weir who did the, the excellent Replacements book. Yeah. Right, and, um, and I think there – I sent you something on Beastie Boys. I don't know if you've seen it yet. So um, will oh, you – do you – yeah, you'll have to take a peek at that. If you didn't see it, I'll find it for you. Um, but I just wondered, um, do you what do you think of podcasting nowadays? It seems like everybody is jumping on board to do this. And there are more and more people out there who are podcasting. And I know you've been on a couple others. What's your take on it? Well, uh, podcasting is, uh, you know, my take on it is simply this. That what's good for the goose is good for the gander, you know. It's 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 uh it's great that people are more interested in podcasts. It's it, that there's uh they've really come up in the past years, even six months. It's it, they seem to be just sort of you know I I I talk to people in the, from from the back seat all day uh, uh who you know I was listening on my podcast and it seems most of it are, are, are a lot of it is uh, true crime stuff uh or, or uh, documentary type stuff which is fine and, and good. Um, so I, I I think it's good. I I, I feel uh, I feel like I've got to sort of reassess what what we were doing with Skid Row Chatter and make it more sort of accessible in in, in podcast forms somehow. Just sort of to to I don't know to to keep up. But uh, yeah, I feel I feel simultaneously sort of uh, invigorated and happy it's happening, and also sort of left out and sort of like, hey, wasn't I uh, wasn't I on this before this parade came by? But you know, you know, it's 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 just interesting. Interesting, you say that because um, I have no, and I'm thrilled because I think you know, um, the water raises all boats, and so the more water, the better. I'm fine with that. Um, I don't know if if our listeners realize that there are over two thousand podcasts in our network, and um, now over oh, in the library, yeah, yeah, in in our archives. And over 24 shows in this network. You probably didn't even yeah. know that, that we have that many now. Um, so I'm more excited than ever, as witnessed by the fact that you are my third show today, which is a Monday, and normally I only broadcast on <laughs> Wednesdays, which means you're special. So, um, yeah. And your lead, your lead-off author, by the way, was J.A. Jantz. So um, that tells you where I place you in priority. <laughs> I've had, uh, uh, I mean, I, th- I think about the archives uh, of, of my, and occasionally I'll go back and just uh, pull the link and, and put it back up on social media, uh, because yeah. there's, I mean, you know, uh, Joe Lansdale, you know, yeah. uh, Max, uh, Max Allen Collins. I mean, I've had some yeah. uh, uh, great guests on the show, and uh, you really yeah, have. It's, 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 I, I think it'd be good if there was a way they were easily. Uh, downloadable like a like a library as opposed to uh, just a link so maybe well, that'll happen at, are, at some point but we're, they're all on soundcloud now and they're in itunes and uh podbean and i can't even tell i don't even know all the other places because you know that ain't my job that's Teresa's job she does that so and, and speaking of i want to give a shout out to Tessa from Poise Pen Productions, who sponsored this show tonight. Um, Tom, are you reading anything really good right now? Do you have the time to read? I am finishing. Yeah, well, that's a whole other question. But uh, I am um, finishing a book called The Coves by uh, David Wish Wilson, uh, a guy that uh, uh, from Australia who actually I showed around town here without researching the book. I wish I had known that uh, more about the book. I would have narrowed my my uh, uh, 
my show of this city to him. But it's about uh, the Barbary Coast in San Francisco. Very cool, very authentic. You know, 1849, a kid looking for his lost mother in the, in the wild and crazy Barbary Coast. Uh, and, and simultaneously just started uh, Lou Bernie's uh, November Road because. Oh, my God. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. It's what I keep hearing. I just, I mean, I just cracked it. I, but uh, Joe, Joe, uh, Joe Clifford dragged my, my sorry butt out on a Tuesday night or something to go uh, see and meet him in Marin. And, uh, and I felt foolish because I hadn't read what he else had in that, in that small crowd. But he was very gracious, very nice. And, uh, and just, uh, just hearing him just discuss it, I, you know, I bought one. And then I went home and bought it on Kindle because I can't read hard copies anymore. <laughs> I fired it up uh, last night before, uh, before falling yeah, asleep. He, he, was, he was here a couple of weeks ago. And then uh, last week, um, Wallace Strobe and L.B. Lawrence Black were in conversation. So it's been an interesting couple of weeks on Authors on the Air. So let me know when you want me, you know, when, you, when you're ready to get started again on Skid Row Chatter, let me know because have I got some guests for you. Anyway, tell, tell everyone where they can find you on, on, on the webs, please. You can find me on the web, uh, mostly social media, all those places. Just search my name. But uh, my own website is TomPittsAuthor.com. I think my Instagram is TomPittsAuthor as well. And uh, uh, you can find, of course, 101 not only at uh, the big old uh, Kiglamo Amazon. Everybody knows that. But you can also pound your fist on any local bookstore and say, hey, uh, uh, order me this book or any of my titles, any down-and-out title. And I, I believe they'll, they'll get them to you. And, uh, they will. Or yeah, ask, or ask your local library to order them. Boy, talk about what's good for the goose is good for the gander. That's yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Tom Pitts, the new book is called 101. The show is Skid Row Chatter. I think after the holidays you're going to come back and start doing some stuff after you get your screen script written for your your film, which let's hope that that's oh, where it goes for Hustle. This is I'll done. I'm, my fingers I, 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 I I'm wrenching on it a couple more days, and I'm kicking it back out the door. This thing hopefully is, it will only have news by Christmas. Well, that would be a nice present. What a way to start off the new year, huh? In, indeed. Um, Tom, thanks a lot yes, for being uh, as, with me. As, as for the chatter, I do want to – I'm still – you know, I, I'll, I'll get the train rolling again when we can get Rilko's on, 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 on the air. I've been asking him for a year. I just want to get him on. What are you doing, Rilko? He's not doing much. I just – Oh, Ro, yeah. Yeah, we got to get yeah, him on. He says, he, so if you're listening so out there on social media, he, he, yeah, he just, well, well, you I'll know have, what he is? He just doesn't like to shy. talk on the air. He just he doesn't. Hey man, he he he, he, he thinks his his uh, enigmatic uh, French accent is is uh, uh, he, he's embarrassed of it while everybody else is just like, oh, he sounds so enamored of it. <laughs> True. Oh we'll put him on. A, we'll get him on a podcast so that he doesn't have to worry about it. Send them messages, letters, uh, irate tweets. Let's get them on. There you go. All right. Sounds like a plan. Hey, Tom, thanks very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Congratulations on the release today. And I know it's going to be a big seller. I love it. And I have my signed copy sitting right in front of me. Thank you so much, my friend. And um, love to your family. Thank you, Pam. Uh, Have a great day. And and, uh, thanks for having me. Sure thing. Talk to you soon. That's our show for tonight, everybody. Thanks for being with me, and thank you, Mom and Dad. See you Wednesday. (laughs) 